Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show this week. And the good afternoon, evening part is even more relevant today because live on the phone, I've got a friend um, and fellow tech geek um, and business owner calling in from Maryland, England. And I'm so excited that Richard Tubb could be here today because we have been trying to get together on the radio for months and months now. And between my ear surgery and illnesses and Richard's crazy schedule, traveling all over the place, speaking, working, consulting, and helping businesses grow, it has just been one of those okay, which calendar are we working? What time zone are you in today? So, um, Richard, thanks so much for being patient and working as we try to get you here on the show today and calling in from England. Oh, Laura, thank you so much, and thank you for your patience in waiting for me. I know it felt like we'd never actually get to uh, speak on air together um, where I was bouncing around all over the place and everything that was happening, but we had patience, and we've got here, and I'm uh, delighted to join you today. Thanks for waiting. Well, it's exciting for me because you have so much great content to share, you know, and having had a business like I had and having successfully sold um, a successful managed service provider, IT business owner, I, I especially appreciate the challenges of being in a tech business where life and business literally changes in an instant because you just never know what's going to happen. And you just have to be willing to go with whatever the day will bring and not necessarily worry about the plans that you've laid because things break. Um, Cybersecurity hits in a bad way, and you just never know where you're going to have to do things. And I love how you've transformed yourself from being a business owner to being a business owner who helps other people grow their businesses. That's not a transition very many people want to get to. What made you go there? Well, firstly, thank you for the kind words. I think, you know, running an IT business and managed service provider as you and I did is incredibly difficult because nowadays technology is at the heart of everybody's uh, business. You know, so this is not just when perhaps you and I showing our age a little bit. When we started out, it was a case of we would crawl under tables, fix cables and things like that. You know, IT was a nice to have back in the day. IT is at the heart of any business now. And so running a business that provides IT support to small businesses is a huge responsibility. You're essentially, you know, um, uh, responsible for keeping those businesses up and running. And certainly, it's a very stressful job. You know, I, I ran my own IT business between 2001 and uh, 2011. And if we rewind back to, you know, just before 2001, um, my background is I used to work in corporate IT. So I used to work for companies like Ernst & Young and the National Health Service, you know, big organizations there where there was big budgets and lots of money uh, thrown at the IT uh, to keep things running. Um, 
But what I found was, you know, I was drawn more and more to the small business world. I, in, you know, I think that the majority of business out there is small businesses. Small businesses like do, doing business with other small businesses. And, you know, um, uh, especially locally, you know, people like to do business locally, don't they? And so I stepped out of the corporate IT world and started working in the small business world. And, of course, the budgets aren't as big there. <laughs> you haven't got as much money to throw around. It was a case of uh, using uh, duct tape and, uh, you know, spit a lot of time to keep things running. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, but I think if I rewind to sort of 2001, 2004, I'm going to say, for me, I was your stereotypical IT guy. I used to be the geek, the nerd, the techie, you know, crawling around under desks and fixing computers and, and generally keeping those businesses running. And, and I think it was around 2004, 2005, I suddenly realized that I didn't really own a job. I didn't really own a business at that point. I owned a job. You know, I was working long hours, and if I didn't work, I didn't get paid like so many uh, freelancers um, or um, uh, individuals out there, sole traders. Um, so it was around 2005 that I decided I was going to move towards uh, what you and I know as the, the managed service provider model, where instead of just fixing things for people, I would work to proactively make sure that the problems didn't occur in the first place. So instead of selling my time for money, I sold the value of uh, helping keeping small businesses up and running. And everything changed for me uh, from uh, there on in, and I grew the business fairly rapidly uh, between sort of 2005 and uh, 2011. Um, and then uh, at the end of 2011, I sold that business. And I would love to say, Laura, that I had a plan <laughs> for this whole journey, you know, going from uh, corporate IT to IT guy to business owner um, and to doing what I do today, which is to help other technology business owners to avoid all the many mistakes that I made along the way. Um, but frankly, I didn't have a plan for it. I just, uh, after I sold the business, I thought I'd just sort of sit around and, you know, take it easy for a while. But what happened was during the time that I was running the IT business, I used to blog and I used to speak at uh, uh, events um, all across the world and really just share my journey, share my story, all the things that went well and especially all the things that didn't go so well. I used to share that really openly and honestly. And what I found was after I'd sold the IT business, a number of my uh, competitors here in the UK picked up the phone to me and said, hey, look, Rick, we've been following your journey up until now. Now that you're no longer a competitor, would you come in and share some of the secret sauce with us and help us avoid you know, some of the mistakes that you made? And so I've been doing that for the last eight years now. I've been uh, writing books and speaking at events and you know, generally helping um, IT business owners to avoid all those mistakes that I made and, and helping them to uh, accelerate their growth. And I absolutely love it, Laura. It, we had such similar journeys, except I started my tech company back in 1994, and and I sold in, in 2009. So you want to talk about crawling in the dirt? <laughs> back in '94, you know, the whole corporate to to whatever. And like you, when I first started, I sort of didn't have a plan, but I did in in some ways. And I think that's really interesting. I want to, no pun intended. Well, pun intended. Click there. And, and explore that just a little bit. This whole idea of what you mentioned of 
not having a plan, but people wanting you to share your secret sauce. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a big promoter, even when I, like you, had my business. I never looked at people in, that had the same businesses next door to me as competitors. I always looked at them as peers, and I would share whatever I was doing. But yet, everybody seems to think that the other guy has a better secret sauce than the secret sauce they're using in their own business. What do you say to that? What's your thoughts on that? That is there a better secret sauce than somebody's using, or is it just the implementation of that that makes the difference for a business? It's a great question. If I, if I share a story, and this was before I sold the IT business, so I'm going to go back to about maybe 2009-10, um, around that time, and I was giving um, a presentation at a user group in uh, Birmingham in England, um, where I was born and bred uh, and, and uh, grew up and ran my IT business. And it was in front of a room full of other IT business owners, uh, direct competitors. Um, who many of them I was friendly with, but many of them I was aware of had never ever spoke to me. And I, I delivered this presentation, hoped it delivered value to, you know, to the audience that were there. And one of my uh, competitors has never spoken to me before. Uh, I was aware of him, I know he was aware of me. He came up to me afterwards and he said, Richard, thank you, that was, that was really, really valuable, really appreciate it. I've got to ask though, Richard, why would you share your secret sauce? like that and, and, and I chuckled um, because I knew his question was well, you know to paraphrase it are you crazy why are you giving me all your secrets I'm going to take advantage of that but you know my re- response to that would, was that well first of all I have been um, you know uh, given loads of time knowledge experience freely by some of the world's top business experts um, and still do to this day you know uh, people give their experience away freely to me. So part of me was, okay, let's pass this uh, along. But secondly, you know, I can teach you, I could tell you everything there is to know about running an IT business, running a managed service provider. But the secret source to doing that successfully is me. And the secret source for your business is you. And you've got to do things, you know, however you prefer to do things. And you've got to tailor things to play to your strengths. So yes, there are systems and processes that I can teach you, but you've got to embrace them and make them your own. So, you know, in answer to that, that competitor has said, you know, are you crazy? Why are you giving away all your money-making sort of schemes and techniques and abilities? You've got to go away and implement them. And I'll be honest, my experience has taught me over many, many years um, that you can, you know, pick up all the advice that you want for free, but unless you actually do something with it, it's meaningless. In fact, a good you know, mutual uh, friend uh, of ours, one of my great mentors, is uh, a man called Arlen Sorensen. Oh, I love Arlen. He's been on my show a few times. <laughs> such, a, such a wonderful you know, chap who's, who's built uh, you know, huge businesses, a real entrepreneur and just a really good human being as well. But Arlen said to me years ago, and it's really struck a chord in me and stuck with me ever since, he said, vision without execution is hallucination. And for me, I absolutely believe in that. You know, all we now live in the you know the age of the internet. All the information you could ever need to be a success is not only available, but it is available freely out there online. But you've actually got to go and uh, listen, read, take it in, and then do something with it. 
So I was always um, I'm a believer in information, you know, wants to become free, it wants to get out there. So I was happy to document my journey, to put it out there. And, and you know what, Laura, looking back, this whole thing about, you know, um, I guess showing some vulnerability and sharing my mistakes and things like that, I think that was part of my success in the journey of, of building the IT business. I think that even though the story I was sharing was um, the, the, the details were actually for other IT business owners, my competitors, uh, and you know, by happen chances ended up being the business that I'm running today, I think that my customers and the people in the UK who I do business with um, saw the journey that I was sharing, may not have understood all the geeky, techie stuff that I was talking about, but saw that it was somebody who was sharing and helping others. And so they were, they were drawn to doing business with me um, from that perspective. So um, that was my answer to, uh, to my competitor there, and I, I stick by that to this day. Um, you know, people, the most successful people I've come across share freely of their experience to other people without fear that their slice of the pie is going to get smaller as a result of it. Yeah, and you raised so many good points inside that conversation. So I had goosebumps because it, it was like going back through my own life <laughs> and the conversations I've had with people, and people actually came up to me after conferences yelling at me when I spoke from the stage saying, how could you do that? I've worked so hard and here you to learn all those things, and you just in an hour told everybody everything. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, but if they can't implement, what, what difference does it make? I can speak to them blue in the face. And that's one of the challenges that entrepreneurs and my listeners face so often is this whole idea of they've got all these great ideas, they've got this information that comes to them, they've heard say something, Richard, that you've spoken about or I've spoken about or some of the top other people in the world are talking about with their businesses, yet they can't seem to, to quote Michael Gerber, author of the E-Myth, they're stuck working in their businesses and not on their business. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur because they think, oh, I can control my life. I can come in when I want, do what I want. Yet the reality, especially in the first few years, is you're working 80 hours a week or 100 hours a week or more, and you get these great ideas, but you don't seem to have the mental or physical bandwidth to actually begin to implement them. So from your experiences, because I know you're like this total productivity nerd, <laughs> total, total productivity nerd, what are some of the things that you say to your clients to help them step back and begin building a business where they can actually take things to the next level and begin to work on the business as well as in the business? Absolutely. And, it, you know, if I let, let's touch on that life changing book for me, as it's been for so many people, um, The E Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Going back to my story, you know, I said around 2005, I, I changed from being the IT guy into being a business owner. That book, just so life changing for me, and it's been one of maybe three books that have been incredibly um, uh, life changing for me. Um, so, all the credit in the world to Michael Gerber. If any of your uh, listeners are, uh, you know, coming across the e-myth for the first time, uh, I would in encourage them to, you know, if you take one thing away from our conversation today, go and grab the e-myth, read it, take it in, um, you know, I'm rereading it just this week, 
As we speak, I'm going into a, a call uh, tomorrow with an IT business owner in the UK who wants my take on the myth and so you know this is a, a book that's hugely influential on uh, my life but to your question about how do you make time when you've got um, uh, you know all these ideas and things I think the first part of it is to systemize your business to a degree you know we've talked about um, individuals uh, the people being the secret source within the businesses but you can certainly systemize a business. And nowadays, you know, with tech, you can automate businesses uh, to free up an awful lot of your time. Now, the problem is that most business owners, most technicians, of which I count myself amongst them, you know, I'm the IT guy, I was the techie, but to grow that IT business bigger than just me, I needed to stop just being the techie and to become a business owner. And the way I did that was to actually to slow down. Um, this sounds counterintuitive, but to slow down and to say, okay, I'm doing a task here that I'm going to do again tomorrow, um, the following week, the following month. I'm going to document what that task entails. I'm going to create an operating procedure. I'm going to create a checklist that reminds me how to do this more efficiently. And then when I started documenting those the various tasks that I did within my business, and it was a big challenge to slow down, you know, because the pace of change is getting faster and faster and people wanted more and more of my time at, at that time. But I slowed down, I documented it, I got the information out of my head and down onto a piece of paper into a system. That then enabled me to start delegating that work. And to begin with, I wasn't even delegating it to employees. I was outsourcing that work to other IT business owners. I was saying, hey, look, I could do with freeing up two hours on a Thursday morning to work on my business rather than in my business. Um, I've, I've uh, documented how to do this task. Can I pay you to come into my business and uh, to do that for one of my clients? And that's how I grew my uh, IT business. That's how I freed up the time to then start doing the important things, the hugely important things that most of us as small business owners neglect, things such as um, marketing, things such as sales, things such as going out, business networking. So that was how, uh, you know, I slowed down, I documented, I delegated, and that became a rolling stone. The more I did that, the more I was able to grow the business. The more I was able to grow the business, um, the more I was able to document, delegate, um, outsource. And then, of course, you start bringing employees on. And that's a whole different kettle of fish. <laughs> we could talk for an hour just about what it's like to, you know, to be an employer. Um, but for me, that was how the journey started. So for anybody who's listening to this, any of your uh, community that's listening and thinking, you know, I've got loads of good ideas, but I just can't make the time. Whilst it sounds counterintuitive, I would really encourage you to pick something, to have a look at the tasks that you've done over the last week, to pick one of them out, to say that is something that if I get documented, it is going to be an investment in time. It's going to save me time in the future to document it and then um, that's how you start building a business. Don't keep the information in your head, put it down into systems and processes. It enables you to do so many other things. It enables you to build a business rather than just own a job. You know, one of the biggest things I hear from entrepreneurs is this whole delegation and documenting their processes because they're like, I don't have time and I can do it better myself and faster myself and I'm going to have to micromanage whoever I go to delegate something to. Yeah, and absolutely. it's it's a struggle 
because you can't grow without being willing to delegate. Yet it seems to be one of the hardest things in the world for so many entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, to make a, uh, a point there about that um, inability to delegate or to outsource, quite often, in my experience, and I've been working with, you know, IT business owners all across the world, wildly successful um, uh, businesses in many cases. And the number one thing that I see that gets in the way of businesses growing even bigger is ego. The ego of the business owner feeling that nobody can do the job as well as they can. So they don't delegate, they don't document, they kid themselves and they say, well, I'm the only person who can do this. The information in my head, there's no way I can document that, there's no way I can systemize it. I, for me, that is not true at all. You can systemize, you can document. And, and, and for me as a business owner, I would be actively looking to do two things. To, first of all, to get all of that information out of my head and down into systems so that I'm no longer needed within the business. I could be wanted within my business, but I'm no longer needed within the business. And secondly, I would start surrounding myself with people who are better than me at what they do. Now, both of those, if you're successful at them, can be a direct attack on your ego because we all like to feel that we're important. We all like to feel that we're wanted. And so the idea of, you know, effectively writing yourself out of your own business story, um, you know, the day-to-day -day needs and surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than better than you, that can be a tough bit of pill to swallow. And so I see lots of business owners sort of falling at that hurdle. The ones who do um, you know, delegate, eliminate themselves from the day-to-day -day and surround themselves with an awesome team who are better than them. Those are the people who go on to have wildly successful businesses. And they're also the type of people that I was talking about earlier, Laura, who share freely of their time and experience with others as well. So they're, you know, helping other people to grow their businesses. So uh, it takes a certain type of business owner to overcome their ego uh, and to actually build a business that can thrive without them. It's a brilliant way of putting it. I, I never had heard it put quite that way before, Richard. You know, the whole idea of not delegating because of ego. And I, I ran through a list of so many friends who are still in the tech world today, running businesses, whose businesses are struggling. And I'm going, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it is ego. <laughs> it is ego. And it's also fear for some of them of if they delegate, because they've been burned before where they didn't have the right staff. So they yeah. delegated, and then it failed miserably. But did it fail because they didn't properly train the other people, or did it fail because the staff they delegated to weren't capable of doing the work that they were being now tasked to do? They were hired for one thing, but now being morphed into something else. What's your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think, so first of all, the, the blunt answer is it never goes away. Um, so, you, you know, to this day, I still hire uh, people who have got a great feeling about and sometimes they just don't work out. They're not the right people um, to work with. But what I would say is, you know, over the many years that I've been doing this now, I've got much, much better at spotting the good people. Um, I would also say, Laura, you know, in terms of, you know, bringing the right people on board, one of the um, 
side effect of me sharing my journey back when I ran the MSP business, and even to this day, sharing fairly openly and honestly about what I do well, what I don't do well, uh, the lessons that I've learned along the way via my blog and podcast and social media and all of those things, is you attract like-minded people. You attract people who um, share your worldview, share your philosophy, and you know, they, they are able to go on and to work with you and to do wonderful things. Okay, and we're about to go into the national news break, as you can hear from the music playing underneath Richard's voice. So we're going to be back with the amazing Richard Tubb calling in from England today, and we're going to be talking about how you can grow your business and have a life at the same time, but more than that, he's going to share some amazing, amazing tips on productivity and the secret sauce for your business. We'll be right back with more from Richard Tubb. Welcome back, everybody, and if you're listening to us live on iHeartRadio, you, if you missed the first half, you missed a great treat. I've got calling in from England across the pond. I wish I could do a British accent, but I totally can't. Richard Tubb, uh, founder of, um, wow, I don't even know. He's got the podcast Tub Talk. He's got this amazing company that helps other tech businesses grow their businesses. He's got an award-winning blog. He's got books out. But beyond that, he's, he's a total productivity nerd and geek. And, Richard, I, I have to ask this because it's on your uh, Twitter profile. What the heck is a cheeky Nando's? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it, well, we could, trying to describe what a cheeky Nando's is to American friends could take up our entire conversation. So I'm just going to say I'm going to give you the facts about it. It is piri-piri uh, chicken. Uh, hot chicken in hot sauce and it is a cultural phenomenon here in the UK we go out for what we call a cheeky Nando's with friends social occasion and that's as best as I can explain it to you now because if I try and explain it any further it's uh, gonna get lost in translation you've got to experience <laughs> okay so everybody needs to go Google <laughs> cheeky Nando's for a longer conversation or reach out to Richard for an even <laughs> more in-depth and complete. I was like, what the heck is a cheeky non <laughs> And And, you know, it, it is such a difference. We, we tend to say, okay, fine, if somebody speaks English, then their cultures are going to be the same. But yet, no matter how similar Americans and Brits are, or Brits and Americans are, there are so many cultural differences with how we do things. And I know you have clients in the U.S. and you have clients, you know, in Europe and in Britain and stuff. Do you really notice many differences in how business is done in different parts of the world? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, I, I do business with people all over the world. And, and I will say that for me personally, you know, I talked about my business journey and reading the e-myth and growing that business back in 2005 onwards. I was absolutely blessed by being able to spend a lot of time in the United States um, with U.S. business owners. And I would say I think the number one biggest difference that I see between um, I was going to say the UK, but probably the rest of the world and the US is the US uh, uh, business owners' propensity to celebrate success and um, you know to to share their successes with others. So <laughs> the British culture is very um, 
dare I say, stiff upper lip, very conservative in many cases, and we don't tend to share our successes as much. And I learned from being in the US that sharing your successes isn't arrogance. You know, there is a fine line, of course, between, um, you know, uh, blowing your own trumpet, as we say here, and, you know, just um, uh, pretending to the world that you're the best. But sharing your successes, uh, you know, enables other people to be not only inspired by what you're doing, but drawn to working with you as well. We all at some level understand that, you know, we want to spend our time with people who are successful, with people who are confident. Um, and so if you're sharing that out there, then you don't be surprised when other like-minded people get drawn to you. Just before we, you know, in the first half of this interview, just before I went out, we were talking about, you know, when I was putting out my blog and podcast and things like that, it's drawn other people to me to work with me. It's drawn other people to, um, to hire me. It's drawn other people to collaborate with me. They would never have known about me and the work that I do unless I put it out there. And so I, I would say, I would challenge most business owners to say, what are you doing that's exciting? What are you doing that you're successful at? What are people saying about you? Um, share that with the world. That is essentially, you know, we're getting onto a whole conversation about what is marketing. Um, but I think that what I'm talking about goes beyond just marketing. It's about uh, building your own self-confidence. It's about putting yourself out there. Uh, and of course, there is a fine line, as I said, between confidence and arrogance. But putting your successes out there draws like-minded people to you. It draws like-minded employees, collaborators, customers. Uh, so I would encourage everybody to put themselves out there. And so back to your question, you know, what's the difference between UK culture and, and the rest of the world uh, and, and the US? The US, I think, really celebrates success. And that's something that I took back um, from spending so much time in the US early on in my journey and brought back to the UK. It encouraged me to, uh, to blog, to share my journey. It encouraged me to later on go and do the podcast. And, um, you know, to this day, I will still put things out there uh, as well. And, yeah, I am I'm a cons as conservative as the next Brit, but, you know, you could be the best at the best IT company in the world. But if nobody knows about you, what is the point? So put yourself out there and let people find you. Yeah, and it's not just the IT companies. It's, it's any business. If nobody knows about you, then your business is never going to grow. I want to... Talk about this a little bit further because you, you said that the U.S. versus the Brits and the way that we celebrate success. I've started to notice a trend lately, and in some cases I, I think it's a good trend. In some cases I, I don't think it is. It, I call it the celebrating failure, and it's almost become a badge of honor to, to fail and to focus just on failures versus saying, okay, this didn't go so great, here's why it didn't, here's how I've shifted and turned it around. Some people seem to get stuck in wanting to just keep saying failure, failure, failure. Are you seeing that at all? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, there's this, this motto, isn't there, fail fast and fail forward uh, and things like that. I totally understand of honor. yeah I, I you know i totally get it um we have to make mistakes anybody who's not made a mistake has not really grown you've got to get out there and do things and you are going to fall over um 
I don't think you should be pursuing, uh, you know, uh, failures, taking, you know, wild um, uh, jumps and, and, and things. Uh, you, you want to learn from what you do. You want to be measured about this. Um, you actually want to take, uh, by all means, take chances, um, but you want to take calculated uh, chances and that. And again, it goes back to something I said earlier. I think all of the information that anyone needs to be a success at pretty much any discipline in the world is available right now freely online. And so I would say to uh, anyone, you can go out there and speak to other people who have been there and done it. You can go out there and read about their journey. You can go out there and get all the information that you need. And so this, this whole life, this whole culture of you know, failing forward and failing fast and things like that, nowadays I would argue that you've probably not spoken to enough other people. You've probably tried to do it in isolation if you're failing again and again and again. Um, so there is a lot to be learned from, you know, from failing. There is a lot of lessons to be learned there. But there's also less and less uh, reason why you should be failing because all the information that you ever need is out there. I, you know, I've talked about, um, I've been really, really sort of blessed throughout my life that, that some of the wildly successful people that I've come across have given freely of their time and experience to me. It's also, however, been my experience that if you ask people for advice, they will give advice to you. You know, and many of us are afraid to ask people for advice. We often think, don't we, we look at captains of industry and people who are hugely successful and think, well, they wouldn't possibly have the time to speak to me. They're way too busy being a success at whatever it is that they do. My experience has been almost the complete reverse of that. My experience has been if you approach people who are wildly successful in the right way, Laura, you know, it's not a case of you just plow in there and say, hey, give me all your knowledge. But if you ask people in the right way, the most successful people are um, open to giving freely of their time and experience to help you forward. So, yeah, the, you know, the culture of, you know, fail forward and fail fast and things like that, uh, I, I understand it. It's perhaps not for me, but I would say that, yes, there are lessons to be learned from every, every fall that you have, every fail that you have, but don't perhaps celebrate failure. You know, it's, uh, it's about what you can learn and how you can move forward with it. Uh, this whole concept of there's so much information out there, you really don't need to be failing the way that we're failing if you're open, bringing back your, your ego conversation. And yet what I've seen with a, a lot of my my listeners that reach out to me or, or my clients is I don't have time to read everything that's out there or go talk to somebody and see how they've done something. And you mentioned that you and I both have been blessed with having access to some of the top thought leaders and brains in the world and, and the, the unknown ones as well who have been successful on quieter levels advising and giving experience and stuff like that. And, and that's why I created the radio show and even wrote my book is to get people to experience perspectives like yours to learn new questions to ask. And you said something that, I mean, you keep saying stuff. I have pages of notes already. I mean, it's just insane, Richard. But this whole idea of, you know, they have their valuable time. But yet so many entrepreneurs 
can't seem to get a handle on their day. And I've mentioned multiple times that I consider you like this top productivity geek. What are some of the things that you've taught your clients and that you have implemented in your own business, especially since you're all over the world now doing stuff, that enables you to really make the time of your day even more valuable? Mm. So, so let me make a confession, first of all, because what you said is very flattering. I really appreciate it, you know, about productivity. And um, I know we're not all perfect. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, so let me put this out there. I am the, world, the world's biggest procrastinator. I, if I can put something off, I will put it off. <laughs> and the reason I would say that I'm so productive and the reason that I teach productivity to other, to other people and the reason that people seek me out for this advice is because I'm aware that I'm the world's biggest procrastinator <laughs> and I know that I knew and still know that every day I need to do something about that. Otherwise, I would literally just sit around doing nothing all day, watching TV or whatever. So self-awareness is part of it that I appreciate that I, ha I do have a challenge with that. So I wasn't born, you know, productive and organized and everything. I work on it every single day. But if I were to, to sort of boil things down, uh, all the, the, the conversations that we're having up until now leading to sort of a, uh, a single piece of advice, it would be to seek out other people and to ask their advice to people who have been there and done it. So in, you know, in my world, uh, there, there are people um, such as uh, David Allen, who wrote the book Getting Things Done, has been a huge influence on me. And when I read the book GTD, uh, many of your listeners may be uh, familiar with it. If they're not, again, just like the e-myth, I would encourage you to go out and read getting things done. I, uh, um, I've got copies of it. I give copies away to people who are saying that, you know, I can't get ahead. I can't make the time in the day. And GTD is essentially, going back to something we said earlier, Laura, which is about getting things out of your head. David talks, David Allen talks about that the, the brain, the mind is there to create ideas, not to hold them. And so I fairly rapidly learned that if I come up with a good idea, I'm going to get it out of my head and down onto paper or into some sort of system. And that has held true for me. So I have got, and again, this is another confession to your community here, I've got the memory span of a goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely remember something, you know, from 10 minutes ago. But I've got absolute confidence in the systems that I'm surrounding myself with. So I use tools such as Evernote and Todoist and Slack and Google Docs and, you know, I'm a geek, I can talk uh, productivity all day and I can talk apps and tools all day. The, the point is not the app or the tool or the technology. Heck, I've got a pen and paper in front of me here today that's got things to do today written on it. So when I'm working through the day, I get distracted like anybody does. My energy wanes and waxes. I get pulled away and I'm looking at Facebook or videos of kittens on YouTube or whatever, then I'm going to grab a hold of myself and I'll say, okay, let's get back to it. What were you actually supposed to be working on? Instead of, you know, trying to think, what is it I need to do next? I look to the piece of paper and it says, Richard, the next thing that you've got to do is this. And I start working on it. So whilst I'm still the biggest procrastinator in the world, by a country mile, I might say, 
um, I put these systems and processes around me that keep pulling me back to do the right thing. And, you know, it can be pen and paper, it can be an app on the phone, it can be whatever. The technology is not important. It's about getting stuff out of your head, down into systems, and then relying on those systems, trusting those systems to lead you where you need to go. And each day that you follow those systems takes you a little bit closer to your goal. And then before you know it, 20 odd years has passed and you've, you know, built businesses and, you know, you're heading in the right direction. And I think that goes not just professionally, but personally as well. Write your goals down, work towards them, remind yourself of them every single day. You don't have to rely on willpower if you've got systems around you that can uh, push you, lead you in the right direction. So there you go. That's my confession about procrastination. Um, hopefully, um, uh, you'll forgive me for that and uh, take the advice about the systems instead. <laughs> You reminded me of something I did a, a few years ago because I, I, I love the quote, your mind is there to create ideas not to hold them that you said David Allen talks about and how you write your, your things down because, you know, you, you just can't always remember everything. Well, I had so many ideas and thoughts over the years and especially after I sold my company, I was cutting articles out and this and that and I had piles and piles of things all over these ideas and post-it notes everywhere and it got to a point where I was so overwhelmed by it and even more overwhelmed by the fact that I didn't do anything with more than half of these ideas that I literally one day took my arms and threw everything off my desk I mean I was just so angry and then I went why am I so angry? And it was because I had all these ideas and I felt that I hadn't done anything with them, forgetting about the things that I had chosen to do. So you know what I did? I literally went through very quickly, paged through, and then threw out everything. All these ideas, all these articles, all these quotes, all this other stuff, and I, I just filled garbage bins full of all this recycling. And, and sent it out, and I started with a clean slate. And it was one of the most freeing things in the world to go, yeah, that was a great idea, but it's really not where I want to be going. Absolutely. Have it, you it, ever done anything like that? I, I, absolutely. So I wrote a blog post, oh, it was a few years ago now, and so everybody was asking me for advice. They said, what does your to-do list look like? You know, how do you put tasks on there and things? But I wrote a blog post about my not to-do list. <laughs> so these are the things that I'm not going to do every day. And I'll have to revisit that post. I don't believe I've updated it this year. But these are the things that I was doing every day that I knew were just not good for me. And they were getting in the way. Uh, things such as, you know, taking my smartphone uh, and leaving it by the side of my bed, um, watching TV late at night, uh, reading my email first thing in the morning. So these are not, you know, I'm not trying to layer a good thing on top of good thing on top of good thing. We can all be chasing the perfect version of themselves. But what we can do is to work on the things we know are actively taking us away from our goals, taking us away from productivity, taking us away from success. And so I publicly put out there, here's my not to do list. And there were things such as not checking email in the morning. And I followed those. And because I publicly put it out there, people would almost hold me to account for it. They'd say, hey, how are you getting on with, you know, um, 
not going on social media uh, of an evening or not reading your emails of the morning. And I would say, yeah, it's going well, or actually, no, not so much. Any tips on how I can do better at it? <laughs> but the not to to-do list was just as important, I think, and is just as important as the to-do list. Um, and so I love your story there about throwing everything out, starting with a clean slate. Um, but often you can start with a clean slate by saying, what am I not going to do? And that clarity over what you're not going to do will free up so much time and energy to pursue the things that you do want to do. Um, so absolutely love that story, uh, Laura, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me how we feel like we have to act on every idea that we have and how much more we can get done if we go, yeah, I don't need to worry about that. It's just a distraction or, you know, it might be interesting, but this is more powerful or more in alignment with where I want to go, yet the world has become so ADD that it's, no, you can't just focus on this. You need to do 10 other things, which is what social media and all of our devices seem to take us away from, which as I'm looking at the clock, we're getting close to the end of the show because I could go on and on and on and talk to you for hours and hours. But I want to make sure before the end of the show, Richard, that people know how to reach out to you if they have questions, they want some help with their businesses, they want to subscribe to your podcast or your blog. So what's the best way for people to find out more about you and connect with you? Absolutely. Well, probably the best way is just to, you know, to Google my name, uh, Richard Tubb, that's T-U-B-B. You'll find uh, three of us uh, <laughs> on there, the top three on Google. The first is the physician for the White House. If you've not guessed, that's not me. Then there's, uh, there's myself, and my website is www.tublog.co.uk. And the third one, believe it or not, is Richard Tubb in Australia, who also works in the tech industry, and he's a thoroughly nice guy, so you should probably say hello to him as well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and, and yeah, listeners can also, your community can reach out to me via Twitter. I'm at Tublog, T-U-B-B-L-O-G. Love having conversations with people, so please do reach out and let's uh, let's continue this conversation afterwards. And Laura, if you you know if if your community um, enjoys our conversation today, I'd be more than happy to come back in the future and uh, and continue the conversation again in the future. So, well, well, thank you for that, and we'll have to plan it in advance because <laughs> <laughs> your schedule is, is so crazy, and and the show tends to book up pretty far in advance as well too. But I am thinking about adding um, a second show in that won't be live on iHeart but would just go straight to podcasts because I have so many people I want to interview and introduce to my audience so I may be adding a, a second show and I'd love to hear what people think about that. So Richard, last thoughts you'd like to to share with my audience about businesses and about life in general or cheeky nandos. <laughs> <laughs> I just well, I like you, saying that. <laughs> a cheeky Nando's. I will. Tw I tell you what, Laura. I will tweet out as soon as we get off air here. I will tweet out at Tublog um, what a cheeky Nando's is for an American audience, and I will do my best to explain it. So, okay, awesome. In 140 your, characters or less, right? <laughs> some of your British listeners can maybe back me up here and try to explain it because it's such a difficult one. But and I do have a lot of British listeners, so <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Absolutely, you do. 
to, you know, on, on a serious note in terms of, you know, uh, business success and uh, the journey and everything, I think it's all about um, being more self-aware and being aware of what you're good at, of being aware of who you surround yourself with, of being aware of what you need to work on. And that all comes from doing things such as for anybody who's listening today, listening to this podcast, you've run a successful business, Laura, you know, you're, you're very well thought of in the tech industry. Um, your Thanks. community has sought out your advice and you speak to some really influential people, some really, really smart people and me. Um, <laughs> but seeking out, seeking out those you know, type of people to have conversations with, um, it's all part of a business owner's self-development uh, journey. And the better you uh, become at seeking out that advice, the more advice that you can give to other people and the better you become uh, um, with your own journey. So for me, um, seek out advice, listen to it, act upon it and then pass that advice along. Uh, for me, that's the key to it. Suggestion on how somebody in like a minute or so can evaluate advice and say yes, no? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the, the concept of mastermind groups. Um, yeah, putting together a mastermind of a few different people, putting that advice out there and saying, what do you think about this? Okay, so, and okay. That's, that's the last of it. Richard, thank you so much for being on the show today. And right, I'm going to have you back. And remember, everybody, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.